Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. Welcome to this bonus episode of From the Front Porch. Today, I'm taking a break from our traditional format to chat with my friend, Ruth Ann Deveni, an avid reader and advocate for the Dressember Foundation. Hi, Ruth Ann. Hi, Annie. I'm so glad we're getting to do this. I feel like I have seen your face on Instagram. We DM, we email, but I think this is the, our first time to like talk to each other. <laughs> Yes, I agree. I think it's the first time that we have communicated in real time. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. It's just so nice to see your face. So I'm very excited. You reached out to talk to me about this. We have partnered together, I believe last year, maybe the year before. I cannot honestly remember. But you are such an advocate for December. And I think because of your role as a reader and the role you play on Instagram slash bookstagram, I think this is going to be a fun and unique conversation as we head into the holiday season. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. I love to talk about this project and I'm excited for any opportunity to share. So why don't we start by telling people what the Dressember Foundation is? What are you advocating for? What role do they play, etc.? Yes. The Dressember Foundation is a nonprofit organization that exists to empower everyday advocates in the fight against human trafficking. I have been involved since 2014. Um, And yes, I'm like a grizzled veteran. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But it's a cause that I, through my advocacy, have really learned more and more about. Mm -hmm. And it just motivates me to continue to stay involved and help others engage in a way that is good for them. So the Dresember Foundation raises awareness and funds that Mm -hmm. then is distributed to nonprofit organizations on the front lines of anti-trafficking work. So both within the U.S. and all around the world, there are lots of organizations out there doing this work, and they apply for grants. Okay. As part of the foundation. And there are criteria that they get evaluated on. And the grants are all different shapes and sizes depending on what the project is. So it's not just sort of a one and done type of thing. The mm-hmm. uh, board evaluates the applications and they go from there. So tell me how you became involved back in 2014. What drew you to this particular cause or issue? What what made it catch your attention? Well, at that point, I was already involved or aware of, rather. I was aware of the work of a, an organization called International Justice Mission, yeah, or IJM. And mm-hmm. they're based in D.C. and do a lot of work all around the world, partnering with local governments to mm-hmm. prevent and intervene in cases of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. So in 2014... December was not even yet a nonprofit. <laughs> it was um, just this grassroots thing. And IJM was the beneficiary of any fundraising. Okay. So I learned about it through IJM. It was like, get involved. You can make a difference and you would help support our work. So the December fundraising thrust really hits home in the month of December. Um, mm-hmm. And so the challenge is to wear a dress or just dress up 
-hmm. every day in December and use that as a platform to talk about the reality of human trafficking. And so I found that very winsome and attainable, you know, something that I can do as an individual. I'm not a lawyer or (laughs) criminal justice expert or social worker or anything like that. So it was a way that I could tangibly do something and see what I could do, raise money if Mm -hmm. it made sense. So that first year in 2014, I just decided to do it on my own. And I wore the same dress actually for the whole month, which is like not the point. It's <laughs> that was me being extra. <laughs> Just adding and an extra element. I know. And so I set a goal, I think it was twelve hundred dollars or something. And my community really came through. Just friends and family were very generous and we exceeded that goal the first year. And I was blown away because mm-hmm. is not something that I could have donated on my own. Yeah. (laughs) And so I really saw the power of basically talking to people around me and saying, well, this is why I'm doing it. And if you would like to contribute, that would be amazing. Thank you for considering the cause. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I don't really do a hard sell or something like that. But that first year just showed me how when people get information. And when I am enthusiastic about something that is a powerful combination. Yeah. Yeah. I think people, I think the people we know Mm -hmm. are the best ways to advocate, right? Because we already have relationship with those people and they trust the information we're giving them because we already have an existing relationship. So I actually think that kind of grassroots effort is really powerful. Yes. And I've definitely seen that over the years where Dressemba is a really interesting fundraising model because it's the whole month long. So Mm -hmm. it is a commitment. It's not, you know, like I'm doing Relay for Life and will you pledge for the day, which is great. And I've done Mm -hmm. that. And there's something to that of being with a team and it's Mm -hmm. a physical challenge. Love that. But when someone commits to doing something for an entire month, like that is real persistence, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like visible. So yes. my coworkers saw it, people who I would like see around town or mm-hmm. at the grocery store or something. So it became a kind of a thing over mm-hmm. the years where yeah. people would say, I'm getting the dress up again this year. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, and so I think that that says something where, you know, wearing a dress or a tie in some cases is not a huge sacrifice. Let's be real. Um, (laughs) however, it's an intentional way of drawing attention to a topic and then saying to folks, I have this information and I am invested in this cause. I would love to talk with you more about that. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's really powerful, especially doing it every day in a month, but also year over year. Mm -hmm. So I've seen that impact accumulate over time where I just actually had a friend reach out to me and he said, I have it marked in my calendar every year to donate to to December because you've done it. And like, that's so meaningful to me. Yeah. Especially for since 2014, like it just goes to show that that kind of persistent, like long-term impact 
Yeah. I love that you're talking about because I think you live in a small town kind of like yes. I do. And so I I can totally picture in the grocery store somebody being like, Oh, the dress. Like right. I can totally I can totally see that. Like it's a visual reminder that you're doing something and you're being consistent with it. Your advocacy has also grown, I think, just as somebody who has followed you online for years. Like it started, it sounds like kind of local and with these people that you knew in, in person, in real life. But tell me how you began to get the internet involved, because that's at the point where I began to donate or where I began to try to come on board to help. Like, tell how that kind of snowballed. Yes. Yeah. So you're right. It really started locally in that I started a team, which is really just a group of advocates who are all fundraising toward a team goal. We really hit a groove there in 2016, and it's just been trucking along ever since, which is amazing. And then in 2017, I actually joined Instagram for the first time, (laughs) which I'm an elder millennial, and I was like (laughs) begrudgingly, okay, this is, it seems like this thing is sticking, you know? (laughs) You kind of wait for a minute to see. I mean, that's how I've been about TikTok. I am not joining TikTok. And then let's tell me in five years, we'll see. (laughs) Right, right. TikTok, I have just resigned myself to. I'm like, this is where it ends for me. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Um, And that's okay. Uh, So 2017, I joined Instagram because I knew that Drisember was doing a lot of messaging through Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like if this is how they're going to position their information or images, I should just be aware of that. and be where they are. And so that was really a big part of why I joined Instagram and then discovered this whole book world, which has been wonderful. And so by way of social media, I was able to connect with other people and then have really a different kind of platform that I could use all year long, really, because Mm -hmm. I am reading about human trafficking all year long. I talk about it the most in December, but I am constantly on the lookout for books so that I can know it's out there and when people need recommendations, it's helpful. So through social media, I was able to make those connections and then really appeal to this audience to say, again, this is something I care about. You're going to start seeing pictures of me in this dress. Um, (laughs) Here's why. (laughs) Um, And if you would like to be involved, I'd be happy to share with you how that can be. And so I I think it's a few different levels. One is a monetary donation, of course. I mean, that's the most tangible way. You know, I am a type A person. I set the goal. I want to hit it or exceed. Like, it's very motivating. Another way is that people are just sharing the information that I am sharing. So if it's Mm -hmm. information about human trafficking or my fundraising link, if someone's like, I can't give, but if you could, my friends, that would be great. That's super helpful. Another way is just encouraging me. <laughs> like I said, it's a, a whole month endeavor. And I just know, I say this every year to my team, that it's a marathon and not a sprint. Like usually people start off super strong, very exciting, good. And then December, like, 13th comes around. Yeah. Well, and I would imagine like the holiday component as well. Like I feel like I totally understand December as a concept, but I'm like, man, the end of the year, we are all like, I feel like crawling toward a finish line. And so the fact that you guys are starting something on December one and then finishing December, like that is, you're right. That is a marathon. 
it's it's a long time and I it's hard because as a team leader, I want to be realistic and say like pace yourself. It'll be fine, but like don't use all your energy all at once. I don't want to scare anyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a real thing. People get tired and there's so much going on at the end of the year. There's a lot of like pre-existing, I'll say stressors. Yes. Um and it's a big I'll say, you know, donating time of year. So yeah. people's charity dollars might be already spoken for. There are a lot of, you know, uh, benefit events happening. People need presents and food and things like that. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of air traffic to yes. contend with. But, you know, my approach on that is always to say, please consider this cause as you think about your charitable giving. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot out there. You might already have that planned out, which is great. But in so much as you're able, here's where your donation could really make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a big believer in everything counts. Mm -hmm. So, and that goes from the smallest donation to like just using time. It's like, did you take the time to read this article? Great. That counts. Did you take the time to like seek out someone you've not talked to yet? That counts. Great. Mm -hmm. And so it all adds up. And I hope that's encouraging to my team and others who are hearing that. So back to your original question of engaging an internet type of community. I think to your point about relationships, it's similar. So Mm -hmm. I had been making connections on Instagram and through other channels to say like, this is the type of person I am. I'm a reader. I, this is, I live in Pennsylvania. Like I'm a normal <laughs> person. And then this is the cause that I am investing in, especially heavily this month. So if you want to join me, I would love that. Mm-hmm. And people did. And I feel like it's been growing every year where more people are hearing about it, more people who have given numerous times over the years. That's super gratifying to go back into my records and see like, yes, this person gave last year. And I can write a note, like, thank you for your continued support. It, that is huge yeah. to me. Yeah. And then it's also been really fun and so gratifying to me to partner with people like you, Annie, or just mm-hmm. friends who say, you know, I want to do a giveaway or something mm-hmm. that, and then any proceeds will, you know, donate to your project. And so I have a friend who already reached out to me and she's like, I'm already sewing for your giveaway. I have two oh. things done. I'm like, oh, that is amazing. And I haven't even yeah. like asked <laughs> for yeah. people to do that. So that I think has helped sort of multiply that internet effect. Yeah. And I find that I'm just like always surprised every year, which makes no sense because it happens every year. So why am I surprised? <laughs> It's not as if I underestimate people, but I don't know. I'm just really gratified every year to hear people's support and just see that it's just a tangible sign to say, we're here for you and we're here for this cause. And it's very meaningful. You talked at the beginning about how in your initial year as an advocate, like your goal was $1,200 as the as the reach of your influence or the reach of the cause, I just think about even December in general is now something I hear about more often than I did, mm-hmm. you know, in 2014. How has, and you mentioned that you're an overachiever as a fellow overachiever. I'm just wondering, like, how have your goals changed over the years? Have you continued to meet those goals? Because maybe that is part of the surprise, right? Like, I think about the goals I set for the bookshelf, and I'm always like, we're doing it. Like, like, it's so, happening. It, yes, it's <laughs> happening. So how have your goals kind of changed to reflect this kind of growing audience? 
That is a great question. Yes, I started out with a goal of $1,200 by myself. And I will sort of pause and say, when I have a brand new advocate or someone reaches out mm-hmm. to me and says they're the first time, I recommend that they set a goal of $1,000 because mm-hmm. it is definitely stretch. It's beyond yes. most of our means to just donate that. Yep. And $1,000 is basically $30 a day in the month of December. So like, it, it is actually achievable, even though it feels like a huge number, but it's stretch so that it feels like a challenge. So I'll just do that as sidebar. So I actually have a spreadsheet that I'm consulting right now. <laughs> love it. We love a spreadsheet. Love a spreadsheet. Okay. So I basically, over the first four years, I went up steadily. So in 2014, $1,200. In 2017, my goal was $6,850, which seems random, but it is because that is the sort of cost associated with an intervention operation. And this is data from international justice missions that includes like initial investigation and then actually going in and intervening, rehousing people, prosecution, like all those steps involved. $6,850, $6,850, which to me is like not that much money. So right. when you think about the whole soup to nuts Right, in thing, the grand street, yeah. Right. So like that year, that's what I was aiming for. It's like, let's do a whole mission. Can we do it? Mm-hmm. And then after that, I jumped in 2018 to $10,000, which seemed ridiculous. Yeah, that's a bit, <laughs> that's a lot of money. Right. Yeah. But the community shows up for that and... It's incredible. So this year, I have the same goal of $10,000. I love a round number. Um, It's definitely a stretch. But this year, I'm also actually thinking hard about what limits I'm going to put on myself to make sure that I can have a sustainable campaign. Because I just have seen over the years, I just keep adding things, adding things. And the plight of the overachiever. Exactly. It's like, okay, <laughs> fine, sure, sure. I did it. Now more. You know? uh, that <laughs> it, yeah, you're speaking my language. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> yes. So last year, I I would say I met my goal. No, everyone else helped me meet this goal of $10,000. And it was before December was over. Again, mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And so then the overachiever in me is like, do more. So I said, okay, can we raise 5,000 more over the top? Which then by the end of January, we did. Amazing. 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 Yeah. I, I cannot, still can't believe that. But then this year I felt like, okay, do I stick with a 15? Because mm-hmm. like we did it last year. Right. And I just felt like I'm going to stay with 10 mm-hmm. and it's still a stretch goal. It's not, you know, I think underselling or anything like mm-hmm. that. But the amount of effort that I put in to like push and get people on board and stuff like that, like I just don't have it in me this year. Mm -hmm. And so that is a a choice that I'm making this year. And I I was about to say, I hope it's fine. I know it'll be fine. It is fine. It is fine. (laughs) But yeah, that's part of the thought process that I go through every year Mm -hmm. to say, what is my project going to look like? And then from a larger scale, we have our team goal. And so that has also <laughs> grown yeah. over time. In 2016, we tried for $31,000. So $1,000 a day mm-hmm. for the month. And then 
last year, we, it was our biggest goal yet at $115,000. Wow. How big of a team are we talking? Okay. So it varies year to year in the years that we had set the goal. So 2019 and 2020, we had, I want to say at the most, maybe 60 people. Okay. Which is huge. And that I actually, is, that's big. I don't think we're going to have that many this year. Mm-hmm. Our roster is still, you know, being formulated. But yes, I would also say that uh, within our team, the amount of fundraising varies widely. And mm-hmm. there's not like a minimum or something like that. So if someone comes in and they're like, my goal is $500 or whatever, it's like, that's cool. Yeah. Then yes. it's, it, everything counts, right? Like okay. that applies. So, so it's not as if I say like, okay, well, how many people do I think will have and then how much mm. per person like that doesn't really go into the mix because everybody's different and everybody's exactly. advocacy looks different yeah right so this year we are shooting for a straight 100,000 still a huge goal and yes. one that we cannot do alone um, which is the mm. point I have found in my you know long-standing team members they're like we love a big goal we want to go mm-hmm. for it together it's motivating to recruit yeah. friends to our team that like we need you we need you it's a don't you want to be part of something big? And so we'll see how that goes. If we, so here's something really exciting. Over the years, our team has raised $480,000. Oh my gosh. That's almost half a million dollars. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I'm going to be watching our little like thermometer. And when we hit the 20,000, it'll be like, guys, yeah. Half a million. <laughs> That's amazing. Especially, I love that you said at some point in the conversation, like, you're just a person. Like, like you're just a person from Pennsylvania right. doing your thing. <laughs> and I love that. I mean, that is, I think, important for us to hear when it can feel like whatever problem that we, each of us kind of choose to kind of latch onto or gravitate toward can feel so large and so looming. And I think um, anti-trafficking or human trafficking, Jordan and I have donated to the International Justice Mission for a long time. That's Mm -hmm. a project that has been close to Jordan's heart as an attorney for a long time. And so, but, but you can feel like well, you know, does our little bit help? Like, does it matter? And then when you realize, oh, like year after year, month after month, day by day, it absolutely does matter. And it does Mm -hmm. add up. And the advocacy I'd like for you to talk about next is your role as a reader. Mm -hmm. Because I think donating is something a lot of us can do. And I hope it's something me and Jordan do and perhaps even something the bookshelf does where we donate percentages of our sales or whatever. But there's another aspect to advocacy and awareness, and that is education. And so as readers, I mean, as an Enneagram 5 INTJ researcher, I love a book. Give me a book to read. (laughs) Tell me how I can learn more about this thing. Like I'll go down a Google rabbit hole. So tell me... I guess the books that have influenced you and that you have maybe recommended over the years as you advocate for December. Yes. So reading is a huge part of my advocacy. I actually think that's one of the more unique things that I can bring to the conversation. And I love that. So for me personally, the most influential book for me has been The Locust Effect by Gary Haugen, who is the founder of International Justice Mission. And it's basically a work of sociology. So it's very Mm -hmm. dense and Mm -hmm. it talks about the impact really of poverty on Mm -hmm. the world and how poverty can create 
spaces for people that are unsafe in a number of ways. So physically unsafe, like maybe they don't live in a home that is secure or safe from the elements or something like that. Mm -hmm. It can create a situation where people cannot walk the streets safely on their own or even like in small groups or things like that. They can't necessarily reach out to law enforcement officials because there might be corruption um, Mm -hmm. or even just bad policing, like poor training. Mm -hmm. And so the thesis of the book is that when people are not physically safe, then the opportunity for human exploitation is very high. Hmm. And so that encompasses human trafficking, but it's not limited to that. And so that premise of like physical safety being the number one thing really changed how I looked at the world, honestly. Mm -hmm. So even when I listen to the news or learn about things going on, I'm like, ding, ding, people are not physically safe. What's Mm -hmm. happening here? Mm-hmm. You can see it everywhere now. Right. Which is like good and bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I highly recommend that book with the caveat that it is very dense mm-hmm. and really difficult content. And so I, I recommend it really to people who are nonfiction readers to start with mm-hmm. and who know themselves well to draw a boundary if they're like, ah, I need to take a break or I just need to read a chapter for now and be done. Not that it's all depressing, but I just want to be very upfront that the content's very hard. It's a mix of research and case study. So it'll say like, here's a situation and some statistics, things like that. And then here is a case like in Guatemala or something like that to Mm -hmm. illustrate a situation. So very, very good. And I cannot recommend it more highly. It's just not for every reader. Sure. So then I will also say that the book that I've maybe been recommending the most over the past year is the novel, The Girl with the Louding Voice. Yes. Okay. I have not read that yet, but I've heard Uh, nothing but great things. It is. And the hype is very deserved. Um, It's a very, very good novel. And it is literally the only novel for adults that touches on this topic that I have been able to recommend wholeheartedly. Oh, interesting. So a few reasons for that. One Mm -hmm. is that it is about forced domestic servitude. Mm -hmm. So the girl in the title is about (laughs) the beginning of the book. She's about to be married off. She does not want that and runs away. And then she is sold without her knowledge to be a domestic servant in a household from which she really has no means of escape. Mm. And so the topic is unfortunately very common, which I think it makes it a really helpful novel to read. But I've also found that other novels for adults that are about human trafficking really hinge or hit hard on sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. And that is fine. It's a very, again, sadly, common occurrence. Yeah. But I have found then that those books are either incredibly graphic. Right. And I just make it makes me reticent to recommend them Mm -hmm. or just like blatantly misogynistic, like Mm -hmm. in a way that. It's like, yes, a lot of cultures are not great toward women. However, mm-hmm. I think that you can depict a culture without, I don't know, putting yeah. forth that mindset. It's tough. Yeah. So I love The Girl with a Louding Voice because I don't have those reservations. And I think it is really illustrative because it takes place in a modern society. It's mm-hmm. like modern day Africa is happening. Not only there, certainly. So I love that novel. And when someone says, I would love to do a book club, 
Forger Summer or like in advance of it or something, I'm like, this is the book because it's a great novel. There's so much to talk about and learn. You can jump off, like do like article research and there's so much to go from for there. So I love that one. I love knowing that because one of my questions for you, because it's a question we get asked at the bookshelf for various reasons all the time, which is like, oh, but I'm a sensitive reader or, um, and I, and my heart goes out to sensitive readers. As most podcast listeners know, my mom is a sensitive reader, but my mom also, to my parents' credit, my mom does not enjoy burying her head in the sand either. Like she would like to learn and be aware of things happening in the world, but she I think is very sensitive. She's very empathetic and takes the burden on her own shoulders. And so I'm constantly thinking about readers like her or even young readers Mm -hmm. who you want younger readers. Parents might want to approach some of these topics with their kids, but what is a way we can do that that's age appropriate or that's subject matter appropriate? So I like knowing that that book would be good for perhaps a reader like my mom. I think so. And then another thing I'll say is that for sensitive readers or younger readers, I just recommend middle grade books. Mm. There are a bunch out there that I recommend. And um, I'll mention two here. One is Amal Unbound by Aisha Saeed. And it has a beautiful cover of two hands. Basically, it's really pretty. And so this book is also about forced domestic servitude. So I think of this book and The Girl with a Louding Voice as a kind of flight because Mm -hmm. they can talk to each other. And in Amal Unbound, it follows main character Amal, who lives in Pakistan with her family. And her family has debt to Mm -hmm. like a local landowner type of person. They cannot pay it. So Mm. they go into debt bondage, which is very, very common. Mm. And as part of that, she has to work off the debt by being a domestic servant. Mm. But the reality is that while people are in debt bondage and they're working, their employer is charging them for things like clothing, food, Mm. board, and then they can never work down the debt. Mm. So this is what happens to a mom. And she is a kid. She's like, Uh, maybe 12, something like that. Mm -hmm. But again, it doesn't have like an icky feel (laughs) Mm -hmm. because of the content. And for the age group, the ending is like really tidy, totally fine. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a really good entry point for adults and children into this topic. And I don't think there's anything wrong with adults reading little grade books. I love them. (laughs) Yes. And they, and look, sometimes they're better. (laughs) Sometimes they're just better books. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So I really love that one and recommend it all the time. And then one, a newer one that came out last year is The Invisible Boy by Alyssa Hollingsworth. Yes. It's so good. It takes place in the DC area where Mm -hmm. the main character, Nadia, notices like a new boy in her neighborhood and she he's like her age how does she not know him turns out he is being kept as a domestic servant oh wow and so that book is really cool because there are certain nadia is like a aspiring comic artist so there okay. are these like comic strip interludes throughout okay. where she yes, imagines herself that. yes and it's so yeah. well done um i yeah. love it takes place in a real a real place and mm-hmm. There is adult intervention that is appropriate and helpful. It helps. I think there are good conversations to have where it's like, well, what if you do notice something fishy? Yes. What do you do? Right. So I really love that one too. And I just feel like 
the difficulty of the content is not a reason to avoid the conversation to your point yes. about putting yes. your head in the sand. But I think we need to like care for ourselves and know what we can handle. Um, yeah, like no nightmares, where, things like that. Yeah. And meet people where they are. Like, right. you know, like I said, my mom and I read very differently, but my parents, we have hard conversations. Like we want to mm-hmm. talk about things. We want to learn about things. And reading is one way my family has always done that. But I do want to be mindful of somebody like my mom who I never have a nightmare, right? Like I never, like I know myself, I mean, knock on wood, but like I, I am not a sensitive reader, but my mom, it, it like sticks into her brain, like, and bothers her for a long time. And so she has helped me, I think be more empathetic to that kind of reader, because I think for a while I'm like, like I said, I'm a tough INTJ (laughs) and I'm like, oh, suck it up. Like, (laughs) just, just a terrible, (laughs) just a truly terrible model. So my mom has really helped me be more sensitive and kind hearted because we do have to be mindful of our own boundaries and be respectful of other readers' boundaries too. Yes. Yes. And then I will also say that not everyone takes an information vest in book form. Yes. So even though I will always just look for a book first, I know that's not everyone's thing. So Mm -hmm. I do have a sort of short list of podcasts or articles or documentaries, things like that when it comes to it. But I really lean hard on the book front because mm-hmm. if people are already readers, I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to read anyway, yes. how about this book? <laughs> yeah. And what a great thing too to read in book club setting too. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned that earlier, but I just think in a book club setting, you can have this conversation. In my own book club, it's a lot of like article recommending too yes. and further reading recommending. So you can really send people then to almost become advocates themselves because they've right. read this work. Right. Well, and I also find that it's much easier to have a conversation with someone where they're like, what have you read recently? And if it happens to be a book about human trafficking, that's what I'm going to talk about. Yes. So it's very natural for me. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me then as we wrap up, what are some ways I'm already like brainstorming ways that the bookshelf can come on board with this because we do frequently pick a, especially each quarter, we pick a community partner or a national partner to kind of donate some of our sales to. So I'm going to be in touch with you about that. And we'll put that in the show notes because I think there is a way the bookshelf can come on board here, but how can listeners come on board the Dressember project? Yes. I would say first thing is to consider whether we'd want to participate. I think that it's a really fun thing to do, especially as part of a team. And if you participate, you're welcome to join my team. Um, (laughs) And if it's your first time, I'm happy to talk you through it. So I think that's the first thing I would say is just to consider whether you want to step out and try something new and be a part of it as an active advocate. The second thing I would say is to just go to the December website and learn about what the work is. Mm-hmm. So this year, there are 20 grant projects that are being funded wow. through the fundraising efforts. So there's so much to click through and learn about, and they're really varied. Mm-hmm. So even just, I'm going to encourage my friends and family to do this, to say like, today, I encourage you to read about this one project. And it, mm-hmm. you know, it's a short write-up, not a big deal. But I think that's huge, just informing yourself, seeing what's out there, learning about the great work, which I actually also find very encouraging. It's like, wow, yes. all these people are doing such amazing things. Yes. And then, of course, I would welcome and appreciate any monetary donations. The money goes, like I said, to these nonprofit organizations. And Dressember has their annual report readily available. So you can kind of see how the donations 
what percentage rather of the yeah. of their budget goes to programs and it's very high mm-hmm. it's a very low overhead which i really appreciate too yeah so yeah and i would also say then too um if you can share the information with your network and just have this ripple effect that would be wonderful as well where can people find you online so my Main spot is on Instagram and mm-hmm. my handle there is definitely RA because I've been called RA for a very long time. <laughs> um, it's also back in the olden days when we had blogs. That was my blog title. <laughs> yes. I think that's actually, I think that could be where I started following you actually. I think so too. I was, yeah. at, I was thinking this morning, like how long have we known each other? And yeah. I'm going to say time. like 15 years. Yeah. I think so too, which is not, I truly, it's, I'm dying laughing that like, this is my first time to like talk to you as a person, (laughs) but it's great. It's gone great. (laughs) Okay. So that's where people can find you online. They can go to the December website. We will put your book recommendations. I'm going to email you so that we can get those for our show notes so that people can follow along with December. We will also post to my Instagram at Annie B. Jones 05 and at Bookshelf T-Bill in the ways that we choose to donate bookshelf money and, and funds to the December project. Great. I really appreciate all of the support. And like I said, it just blows me away every year that people will come alongside in whatever capacity. And it just makes me feel like one of my favorite things about December is knowing that small things add up and every small thing just like warms my heart. And I know it adds up to this big thing. So thank you so much. Absolutely. I think that's an important thing for us to remember as we eke toward the end of the year. Like it can feel like, I mean, it's been a hard 18 months. I feel like 24 months for a lot of people, but small things do matter. And I loved talking with you today to learn exactly how they matter. So thank you, Ruthann. Thank you. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, www.bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes. Or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and you can participate in monthly lunch break Q&A videos. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.